This episode of the Mayfair Theater Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash Podcast. There's over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Podcast. Get a free audiobook on us today. Everybody. Welcome to the Mayfair Theater Podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Mel. This is Josh. Uh, Mel might have sounded a bit under the weather there. <laughs> we, we postponed our recording yesterday because Mel was, was uh, quarantined and she's braving up and braving the... It, on top of her being sick, it's horribly gloomy and it's cold and cold. wet I'm, outside. I'm like Matt Damon in Contagion. I'm like the only one not getting sick. <laughs> Nick, you're going to be on Mars. Are you the carrier? Aha, that's it. (laughs) Oh, maybe. Well, I was sick briefly, but I never got, like, sometimes I'll get sick, but it won't completely overtake me. I'll just get the symptoms, and then my body will fight it off in a few days. But everyone around me is getting so, like, amazingly sick. I was, yeah, I was sort of feeling bad on Monday, like, and then Tuesday was like, oh, I'm achy. And so I ate nothing, and then Wednesday was pretty bad as well. So I was like, okay, let's just, like get through this part and then go back to work and like hopefully feel a little better yeah <laughs> i feel a little better but it's definitely still there mm-hmm. i ate nothing but soup and drank nothing but neocitrin for two days mm, neocitrin mm. soup <laughs> <laughs> i never get sick and um famously amongst my friends i've never to my knowledge never had a headache oh maybe i've had one back there but i just didn't notice it or whatever which concerns me that one day it's gonna hit just like an accumulated decades All worth headaches. of headaches but yeah i don't really get sick so when i do there's extra concern they're like oh no you're a little bit sick are you okay i have a friend my friend fred gets sick like a cartoon character with like you know old-timey water bottles and, and like just like knock the hell out and back when we were roommates i i had to keep him alive a couple times and it's always this interesting perspective because i'm like oh some people when they get sick they're done like they, yeah. like they 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 can't go to work. They can't, you know, walk or whatever. But, but yeah, so I'm sure this horrible... And the, and the weather's been so weird because it's like... Like, when I was a kid, I always remember there was snow on the ground for Halloween. Yeah. Like yeah. All, all or the, the day after, the morning, yeah. the morning after. Halloween costume. Yeah, and we've been pretty lucky about it being nice, and now we're hit with... Like, I think this should be snow right now, but instead it's rain because of uh, global warming, I guess. I yeah. Know. Al Gore's fault, but uh, <laughs> or Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio's fault. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been so busy with like work and stuff that I've been on this like um, marathon of missing movies here, and because I've been working or or doing other things, and uh, so this week we have a whole bunch of movies that I want to see. Uh, already, I'm going for, for a good reason. I'm going to miss our screening of um, Friday the Thirteenth uh, on Friday the Thirteenth. Because my friend's band, Reverb Syndicate, is playing across the street at House of Targ. Hey! <laughs> and so, so it's that a... That was a two-in-one. Good job. Man, well, I, 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 I always say, like, if, you, if you're missing something cool to do something cool, 
life's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have like, no reason to bitch. Yeah. So like that night is actually uh, Rideau Valley Roller Girls, uh, like kind of rap party for the season. Yeah. My friends' bands playing across the street, and the cool tradition of a Friday Thirteenth movie playing here. Okay, but hold on. Like, what is the set set? What are the set times? They, Maybe you could calculate. No, they're they're perfectly playing when Friday Thirteenth was playing. Yeah, like the, those bands won't go on till like yeah. eleven or something. They're the middle band. Okay. So so they're set to start around eleven. So so often Tara goes later than that, but it's supposed to be around ish ten, eleven, twelve. So they're the middle band. Um, so I told them I said, well, I'll, I'll skip seeing the movie, but one of you has to wear a old timey hockey mask. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> and just play the the. I don't know, Friday the 13th doesn't have as memorable as a theme song as Halloween, but I said, and you just got to kind of play the theme song over and over again, or make that weird breathing sound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so if you are not a fan of horror films, which some of you aren't, uh, go check out House of Tog that night, because there'll be some awesome old-timey surf music, which is really fun. Um, but this week we have no shortage of, yeah. of other films for the... Like, you know, you can never complain. If you don't like horror movies, cool, but, man, we have a lot of other stuff. There's stuff for everybody, yeah. I think this week, it's it's the interesting um, irony, I get No, is it irony? The interesting fact that when a movie doesn't do so well at the multiplex, often we can get it quick mm-hmm. and do well with it. Mm-hmm. So, fingers crossed, we're going to do well with uh, Steve Jobs. Which and, is really good. I've seen it. Yeah. It's excellent. It's interesting, because Steve Jobs, I'm not... Um, I'm not a computer nerd at all, so so the the me neither the 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 Apple Microsoft wars, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't bear ill will to someone if they like Apple or iTunes versus Android or whatever. But but man, the people who love Steve Jobs and Apple love Steve Jobs and Apple. Mm-hmm. And I remember a few years back, uh, God, time flies. It might have been like five years ago, and I, I knew about the Apple craze, but it was a little bit naive to it. And I was walking through, I believe, the Rideau Center Mall, and there was a giant lineup. Oh, God. And I was like, and I thought it was like a book signing or, or, or something. I was like, what's that? And my friend said, oh, that's a lineup for the new iPhone. And I was like, that's a lineup for the, but when does it come out? Tomorrow. And I was like, they're going to let them just stay overnight? And evidently what they do is they hire a security guard to stand there in the Rideau Center to make sure people are behaving themselves. And people will camp out overnight like for Rolling Stones tickets or something like that. and I can't picture myself. I mean, I guess I'll be kind of doing that for Star Wars because I yeah. have my ticket already and I have to get there early, but yeah. I already have my ticket. So. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I yeah, can't picture people myself. would do that for Harry Potter. We had My first shift as a manager ever in life was the midnight screening of Harry Potter. Yeah. And we had two prints. Yeah. So I technically was not allowed to sell out unless like really two oh, full yeah. theaters of people showed up. But, but those I theaters see. weren't big. I mean, you would sell Number one. one had 442 really? seats. Yeah. It, wow. I remember that old... And then the other two were dinky. You forget that old Rideau Center Theater. Uh, for local listeners who might remember that theater, it was... It was I just, only went there a handful of times. It was just long. And I don't, like, think, I, I yeah, don't, well, I don't think I ever... I, I, I always ended up in the first one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think I... No, I don't think I went into... That one only had as many seats as we have in this front area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, and there was like no balcony or nothing like that. Yeah. Just a basic, you know, mu- mini multiplexy well, kind of theater. Well, it's it's that Cineplex Odeon design from the '80s, where it's yeah. let, let's let's put these let's design these mall theaters and yeah. 
there'd always be one really long one. Yeah. yeah. Well, well this is the famous players, but they both had the same idea. Her famous anyway. play, okay. It just op- it opened in the, the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway. So is that like 10-year-olds camping out overnight? Or just, the, well, was it a midnight show? Yeah, it was wow. a midnight show. So that's, and it was sort of like, okay, so as soon as I hit 442, then I have to make the decision if I have enough people yeah. to open up a second screen kind of thing. Yeah. It was pretty stressful. It was a lot of fun, though. But like, yeah. yeah, so it was midnight. People sort of camped out all day, and then a lot of people stayed after midnight. Yeah. But then they were all like let loose in the mall at 2 a.m. So we had to <laughs> let security know so that they could keep an eye on everybody, and they tried to filter everybody out a certain way. Little wizard kids hepped up on sugar and yeah. Harry Potter joy. Everybody has a scarf and a wand. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but kind of scary at the same time. But, uh, well, yeah, well uh, Steve Jobs. Um, yeah. <laughs> go back to Steve Jobs. F- funnily enough, we played a Steve Jobs movie with Ashton Kutcher, of all people. We played that? I don't we, remember. We, we played that, like, a year ago or something. And I, I didn't see that one. <laughs> It might have been, was it a private screening? All I know is I, I saw it here, but it might have been like a private rental for like a, um, like a group, like a computer group of people. Okay. But I thought we played it here at least for a couple days, but... Um, I seem to remember that too. It's just weird, because it was like essentially, had the feel of a TV movie, but did get like a limited theatrical run. Mm-hmm. And just that like, you know, people are always complaining about remakes or sequels, but not only that, but now that we have you know, a couple of Steve Jobs movies within a very short period of time of each other. One kind of... Well, there's a documentary, too. Oh, a documentary, yeah. From uh, Alex Gibney, mm-hmm. that, the guy who did um, Taxi to the Dark Side and okay. all these other award-winning documentaries. Yeah. And he knew Steve Jobs. Interesting. So part of that documentary is him working out his issues with him. Well, like, this seems to be, like... This movie, and, you know, based on a true story is always iffy. It's not, this is not, what's interesting about this one is that it's not a straight biopic. It's kind of, um, what do you call An it? An act in three parts? Yeah, like, what, impressionistic or whatever. It's, yeah. not, it's not really meant to be taken literally. Like, yeah. it's all, it's three parts. All are set before a big product launch. The first one's 1984, before the, the Macintosh. The second one, it was when he was trying to launch um, the next computer. Yeah. That was a total failure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then the third one is the iMac, which saved. Blew up. When he came back from, from Mac after being fired, and yeah. he saved Macintosh. And it's all, like, his personal life unraveling behind, you know, backstage before each product launch. Yeah. So you can watch that and go, like, this would never happen. All these conversations. But right. it's, like, it's not meant to be taken so literally. No, and, it, and it's interesting, because it, since it's, you know, the same writer as the social network... Mm-hmm. And social network, is it like I don't know how I don't know how the legality legalities of these things work, because it's a movie which has real people like real names in it, real you know if you say characters, the characters are real people. Mm-hmm. But I saw, and you can never trust, but I, I read articles and stuff around that time of either people who were represented in that movie laughing at it or angry at it mm-hmm. because well, that always happens. Yeah, and, and the, the biggest one, and, you know, spoiler if you haven't seen Social Network yet, fast forward two minutes here, but at the end of Social Network, uh, he's kind of represented as being this kind of creepy, alone, sad guy looking at his ex or wannabe girlfriend mm-hmm. on the internet, when in reality, he has a girlfriend, and if I remember correctly, has had that girlfriend since, like, 
know, for 10 years or something, and they're happy and live together and stuff. So they totally switched reality. And because people look at movies and kind of go, oh, that's based on true story, it's real, it's really, you know, you, you obviously can't trust, you can't trust documentaries, but you can't trust this. Yeah, there's definitely no unbiased documentary. Yeah, so I don't... No I, matter how well, much it just comes down to you were either there or you weren't. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So a documentary, a feature film, a Wikipedia article, it's yeah. like, you know, everything is, you know, everyone has a side, everyone has an interpretation. And I'm, I'm interested that there's not, that they would say, okay, you can make this movie, but you've got to change the names. Like, it could be, be you know, Bookface, but you, you, you have to change names. And that happens every once in a while. Because there was that movie and book, Primary Colors, that was totally the, the Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, various it, it, other... The, but they the changed. writer wasn't credited. It was right. based on a book by Anonymous. Yeah, and they changed all the names. But you see the movie... And it's like John Travolta doing a Bill Clinton mm-hmm. impersonation. Yeah. But in that case, they changed the name so they could kind of play dumb and go, oh, yeah. no, it's just a character. Mm-hmm. But in, and it, and in Steve Jobs, it doesn't, from what little, I've just seen kind of, you know, talk show stuff like some of the actors on, uh, on Conan or, or on Colbert or whatever. But, like, it really seems to be, if not vilifying Steve Jobs, like, making him look not nice. As far as I've read, yeah. It, makes um, it doesn't make him look to be as mo- I mean it makes him look to be you know obsessive and difficult but not like yeah you know he's still I hate to use the term humanized right you know a lot of it's about him and his daughter yeah. and their relationship and how in the beginning he totally denied paternity and, oh, but right. then yeah, eventually yeah. kind of developed this relationship Didn't she start with her working for him or something I don't think so yeah and 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 I think it's interesting that Seth Rogen's in it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Seth Rogen, and I think I think comedy's harder than drama. And so Seth Rogen's really good in this. Seemingly, more and more over a long time, we've seen comedians pull off drama, but not necessarily vice versa. Mm -hmm. Like a couple times when like Meryl Streep has kind of tried like real comedy, it hasn't really been favored. Mm -hmm. But vice versa, whether it be you know Robin Williams or, or or Will Smith or somebody like that, it seems that they can kind of go back and forth. And Speaking of which, mm-hmm. um, Sarah Silverman and I Smile yeah. Back yes. on December, that's a new premiere we've got on December 12th. 12th. Yeah. And she was in that movie with Seth Rogen, the... Um, Take This Waltz. They're Take both, This Waltz. That, that was both kind of a dramatic turn. For yeah. Me. God, in that movie, well, like, I knew Seth Rogen was going to get screwed, and I was like, if you break Seth Rogen's heart in this movie... <laughs> Bill Murray said, like, you know, in order to play comedic, you got to know how to play straight. Yeah, and oh, that's a great example, Bill Murray. So it's no coincidence that comedic actors often turn out to be good dramatic actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just don't always get the opportunity. Yeah. And, and I really, like, some of these guys, like, like, poor old John Candy, seem to be just on the verge of kind of starting to do some dramatic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, like, Belushi, I'm sure. If these guys would have lived, that, you would have seen that Belushi them. was going to do Once Upon a Time in America, Sergio Leone. Oh, wow, yeah. Like he was going to be, an, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I'd have to ask, Dan Aykroyd would probably know the <laughs> yeah. answer to that, but uh, um, Aykroyd was saying, yeah, if he was alive today, he'd be directing Broadway and stuff. Like, he was, like, a really sharp yeah. guy who understood drama. And even right now, with, with um, like, comedians like uh, Kristen Wiig, who kind of came to fame on Saturday Night Live, and... She's doing all kinds of And she's doing things. all kinds. Yeah, and, and I, like, I like her... Uh, same with Seth Rogen. I, I like an actor who will, like, she'll take 
more of like a a lead part in in Bridesmaids, and then do like a tiny little independent movie. And she's been doing a lot of those. And then now she's in like The Martian along with mm-hmm. every other actor. Uh, but yeah, we, we seem to be in an age that's a little bit more supportive of actors kind of hopping around a bit because, especially I think back in the day, like, you know, Clark Gable was always Clark Gable. Humphrey Bogart was always Humphrey Bogart. Mm-hmm. But it seems now we're, we're our stars are, and our character actors even are kind of getting to hop around a bit from hero to villain to comedy to drama a bit easier. Because I'm sure Seth Rogen, if typecast, would just be the kind of friendly stoner guy in all of his movies. And he Which will, he's still doing. He's got yeah. another stoner comedy coming out. So. Yeah, he will still do that. And then yeah. he, and he's just jumping back and forth. So He's pretty funny in that role, so I kind of yeah. hope yeah. he keeps playing it, even yeah. if a lot of people might be fed up with it. Uh, so our other true story movie this week is Truth. Truth which is another film that I think had, had really big buzz and kind of, although had, had some critical acclaim and even, you know, financial box office means nothing in the Oscars sometimes, often, a lot of times. There, there's been a run of, like, movies that nobody's seen that have won all the big awards. Um, so Truth is a, another true story, a journalistic story. Uh, and this one, Robert Redford is playing Dan Rather. And... It's another thing, interestingly, kind of akin to Steve Jobs is there's no, um, there's no makeup on the actors in terms of, like, you know, a fake nose or, or kind of a perfect accent. They're kind of just... Yeah, apparently he's not really trying to come across like he's uh, Dan Rather too yeah. much. Kinda, it's sort of like maybe um, Anthony Hopkins and Nixon. Like he, well, I guess he's sort of trying to play Nixon, but he's not trying too hard to make it an impersonation. Yeah. And I think it, even it, Fassbender and, and Steve Jobs, like he doesn't look like Steve Jobs no. at all, but you know, he's interpreting. Yeah. Interpreting. Did I say that wrong? <laughs> That's a word. Interpretation. Interpreting. In- Inter- interpretation. Interpreting. Interpre- interpreting. Interpreting. I think we're missing a syllable. Interpreting. <laughs> Did I just pull a George Bush? And- Maybe. Pulled a Mel. <laughs> you pulled a Mel. <laughs> but it's, um, it's a fine line that because sometimes when somebody gets completely immersed in the role with the accent and a fake nose and a fake this and that. It totally works, and, they, and they're, like, they're, they're that person. I'm sick of seeing fake noses, though. There's yeah. a lot of fake nose. There, there, there's, a, you know, this idea of putting on the fake nose and winning the Oscar. Yeah. Well, I like... like people say, oh, you, you won an Oscar because she... You know, or, like, Nicole Kidman in the hours with that big, yeah. <laughs> creepy nose. And, like, Not speaking Mrs. of... Doubtfire. No. And, like, speaking of Fassbender, it's interesting, too, because also... You know, he's, he's right in the trenches of the X-Men franchise, and he's playing a young Ian McKellen. And yet, if you put them beside each other, even their voices don't... Like, he is not doing an Ian McKellen impersonation in his X-Men films. Um, and James McAvoy totally... But it still works. It's but still it good totally casting. still works, yeah. yeah. And so, but they made a choice to say, like... Because you look at Looper, which was a great movie, and they, like, made... Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They Bruce Willis. They Bruce Willis him. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's not fair. Couldn't we kind of split it 50-50? But like, nope. You're putting on Bruce's nose, contacts that have Bruce's eye color. Yeah. You know, so so which kind of, kind of worked, I guess, but it's not necessary, really. No, often in movies, I think people are fine you to kind suspend of suspend disbelief. Yeah, let you know? it slide and be like, okay, well, this younger version, um, you know, what what's another example? Rather like, than creating this weird uncanny valley. Yeah. It just it comes down to just. Like, uh, the proper casting. Right. One bad example is um, uh, that Woody Allen film, Cassandra's Dream, where 
Ewan McGregor and Colin Farrell play, play brothers. And oh, I, yeah. I didn't, I just didn't buy that. Yeah. Mm. They just, they, they didn't seem like brothers to me, and I think it's just poor casting. Yeah. They're yeah. both good actors, but oh, yeah. I just didn't, Yeah, you know, not that they had to have, like, a real resemblance. It just didn't gel, you know? Yeah. Well, often in a movie, unless, unless it's integral to the plot, I don't know why they change people's accents sometimes. Especially if it's just like a romantic comedy or, or a, a movie in which the character's job, like say they're a teacher and you know that in real life they're British. I'm like, well, you could easily put in a bit of backstory that that person is British but had moved to the States for whatever reason. Because sometimes they, they, the biggest, I mean, they, they, they on television, on, they, they made Lucy Lawless sound American mm-hmm. on Xena, which I thought was so weird because Xena's kind of this like, mythological fake world yeah so who cares and it wasn't until Battlestar Galactica years later where the producers went oh well there could be New Zealanders in space just talk normally and if you look at all of her stuff whether it be like little roles on on um on like the X-Files or Parks and Recreation she's always Americanized when I love it when they just kind of let it slide and be like oh no you can be British you can be this you can be that because in real life you meet people with different accents and often the accent doesn't work that well. Sometimes it does. Sometimes, yeah. so if you're a genius actor, you can you can pull it off. But sometimes you're like, it sounds like you know somebody, half, half. yeah, somebody doing like a bad. Like me trying to speak English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody doing a bad Beatles accent or something. Uh, but the the other act, the other actress, in truth, is Kate Blanchett, who. Is it Blanchette or Blanchette? Blanchette. 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 My, that's my, 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 my maiden, my, my mom's maiden name is Blanchette. And so it's a very rare spelling, uh, double T with no E. Yeah. Which makes me think I'm distantly related somehow. Maybe. And because uh, usually it's either, I think, one T or the French with the E on the end. Mm-hmm. But the double T is from, from that area of the planet. And, um, but she, an, an actress like her, uh, She's done, I don't know, every accent and is a chameleon and changes every yeah. single time. So and she does a great job. Like I don't know how you guys feel, but I really like her. Mm-hmm. Oh god, yeah, yeah, no, she's really, really good. I think what sold me was Notes on a Scandal. Yeah. With Judy Dent. Oh which yeah, is yeah, creepy, yeah. Creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so so we'll see. But Steve Jobs and Truth, God, it's going to be soon. It, Oscar season or nominations are oh, going to yeah. start getting rolled out pretty soon. But. Um, we'll we gotta start planning our yeah. thing. Yeah, we'll see if this holds up. But like, Steve Jobs is a Oscar-winning director, screenwriter, and a bunch of actors. Uh, Truth is a pair of Oscar-winning actors, and you know, sometimes they seem to jinx it. Like before movies comes out, they're like, "Oh, the 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 the, the Oscar hopeful for the year," and then kind of nothing happens with it. But so those are two that might be on on the list come a few weeks when all the awards start getting uh, rolled out. Uh, oh, and, and the other one we have coming up this week is an auto premiere of The Assassin. Is it auto premiere? Yep. It is the Ottawa premiere. Yep. Um, it's nominated for something. It is the, or if I remember correctly, year? the Taiwanese submission for foreign film. For the Oscars. For the Oscars, yes. So the way that works is interesting is basically, I, I, guess, I guess to kind of keep it play fair is each country or countries get to submit a film and then that gets whittled down to the the five or whatever it is for right. foreign film so it is the the and i've noticed that more lately because goodnight mummy is the was it german submission? Austrian? austrian submission 
And then we have the German one, which is, oh, the um, Labyrinth of Lies, I yeah. think is a German. So we, we've been on this roll of potential Oscar contenders in the last little while. So maybe in a couple months, people yeah. are going to be like, did you play this? <laughs> yeah. we like, yes, we did. Uh, and The Assassin, I, if, I, if I remember, I, I, saw, I was watching the trailer. Marcus was in here showing the trailer like last week or two weeks ago, just kind of checking it out. And it's, um, it's non-widescreen. It's like four by three. I think um, what I was reading it is that there are three different formats in the film. Oh, okay. Um, that's interesting. Like, it's. I think this is the one that's split up into three parts. Am I right? Am I wrong? So it's three different aspect ratios. The I, assassin. I think so. In three different. I things. didn't hear about that. Yeah. I don't, well, the, yeah, because in the oh, trailer, like, like a like um, the Wes Anderson movie. There? Yeah, because the trailer was all four by three, and it. it oh. It's interesting. It's like this reverse. Get the newsletter jarring now you know because uh when when the now widescreen like rectangular tvs came to be which already seems like so long ago i remember you know you'd watch an episode of of uh i might be wrong you know simpsons Mm -hmm. and you get the black bars on the side instead of the top and there'd be some people who would just zoom in to get a full screen and i'm like well then like the screen's cut and barred off at the nose you know so it's it's, you've got to kind of just respect the aspect ratio depending on, you know, if it's a TV show, leave it square. If it's a movie, leave it like that. I worked in a video store when kind of the trend of, of widescreen, even like VHS tapes started coming. And the confusion that oh, people yeah. had. And they were like... Why is that so small on my screen? Yeah, there's something wrong. There's something broken. That, and then people who kind of like... No, just tell them to buy a new TV. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't explain it to them because they won't like the explanation anyway. Well, there'd be people who would either like lie or like falsify their memories and they'd be like, no, I remember seeing this movie before and I could remember seeing down to his feet, but in this shot, I could only see down to his knees. And it was like, well, well, no, you know? And, I, and, and, I, and then a thing came out uh, because I guess a lot of people were getting these complaints and it was basically, you can go online and at the time, I'm sure they're still out there somewhere, and you can find just basically charts and it would be like a, a, a shot from Star Wars, widescreen versus not. Yeah. A shot from Die Hard. Wide- Very simple to explain that. Yeah, and you just say like, well, a square fits into a rectangle like so. Mm-hmm. And what was good about this little charts and graphs thing I found is it showed it in very like kind of important things that you're missing. And the one I always remember is from the original Planet of the Apes. There's a, a, a simple gag of, of hear no evil, see no evil, say no evil with three apes on like the um, like judges. Mm. And on, on the pan and scan, on the, on the uh, TV version, it cut off one of the apes. So you're missing that kind of visual gag. Uh, or in Star Wars, there's all kinds of examples, but like there's one scene where Boba Fett is standing beside Jabba the Hutt in, in his palace. And on the kind of TV version, you can't see Boba Fett standing there. And I remember seeing it on VHS when, they, when the widescreen finally came out, and I hadn't seen it since... Did it blow since, your mind? Yeah, like 12 or 13 years. And, and I remember like, oh, Boba Fett's... And it, it, it puts this whole new perspective on it because all of a sudden the character is like, oh, he's really like a, a bodyguard standing there, and before you didn't get that. So there's all kinds of examples like that. But, so it's interesting when a filmmaker chooses to go with different aspect ratios on a widescreen theatrical release. It's pretty rare, but usually there's reasoning for it. Uh, I notice it in, like, anime sometimes. They almost treat it like a comic book where you'll have, like, an up-to-down rectangular thing and then, like, a spaceship will fly out of it or, like, a, a small little square on screen and the sword will come out of it. So 
there's a blur of kind of like comic book and anime in that way, but but we'll we'll double check. We'll see. But yeah, at least the trailer it was all four by three. I think it might be actually something like it starts off in black and white, and then oh, okay, she gets yeah. to like <clears throat> yeah a turning point. Things get to color. Like she uh, she wizard wizard of odds Oz's it. Yeah, <laughs> something changes over time. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is pretty big. What else? So the other one we have this week, another premiere is Knock Knock, which is the new Eli Roth film, and we just had the most other recent new Eli Roth yeah, film, like The Green Inferno, two weeks ago, I guess. Um, Green Inferno is one that I missed slash chickened out on because I don't know if I just wasn't in the I don't mood. think that's a vegan-friendly film. Yeah. <laughs> people can't. No, you can eat people. <laughs> just oh, animals. really? Yeah, animals you can't eat. Well, people are meat, though. <laughs> yeah, but they, they deserve it. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> oh, I've said too much. I know who to watch, yeah. <laughs> too much. Um, so what's, what's the story with Green Inferno knock-knock? Like, Green Inferno sat on a shelf for, like... Green Inferno had some sort of distribution issue. Yeah. Um, it, it was shot, like, two years ago. Yeah. And then, um, in the meantime, while that was happening, he went and made Knock Knock. Yeah. And then, you know, he had, both films ended up coming out basically the same month. Yeah. Because once Green Inferno got its uh, distribution issues worked out, Knock Knock was ready to come out. And Knock Knock, I'm sure, was much easier to shoot because it was mm. just... I think mostly takes place in one location yeah, with a couple shot of actors. Quickly, so. Yeah, and so Knock Knock looks like kind of a. Well, it's I mean, a remake of um, an old, of, an, of an exploitation film called Death Game with Death Game. Uh, Seymour Cassell and Clint Eastwood's ex girlfriend oh, yeah. Sandra Locke. I didn't even. Know, it's I pretty see, obscure. I've never. I've never seen it, but you, you might. It might be on YouTube. I didn't even know it was a remake. I, yeah. I was, was going to say it looks like a Eli Roth version of like. Um, 80s fatal attraction kind of movie. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's these two girls who show up at a guy's, th this guy's home working, his wife and kids are, they go to the beach. Yeah. These two girls show up and they're like, can we use your phone? And it's raining out. And, oh, can we use, can we yeah. put our clothes in your yeah. <laughs> And then everything goes washer. And you can see where wrong. it goes from there. These movies, the, the, the moral of the story in all of these movies is always, it's almost like the, the simple, like Friday 13th moral of the story. <laughs> but it's like, don't do bad things, yeah. and you won't get killed in an exploitation horror film. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the, um, but is it, Keanu Reeves seems to be, I don't know, I always hate saying comeback, because a lot of these actors, like, I, I, I got so angry last year when people were talking about Michael Keaton making a comeback, mm -hmm. because I really love Michael Keaton, he's probably my favorite, um, not, you know, not young actor, but my favorite, you know, current actor, um, and he never went away. Like, and if you look at his resume in the past five, ten years, um, there was no billion-dollar Batman there, but he was doing all kinds of Pixar stuff, did mm -hmm. a couple successful like, kind of HBO mm -hmm. things, did, did all kinds of stuff. Um, so, but Keanu Reeves, between Knock Knock and what was the uh, action revenge one he did? John Wick, which John they're Wick. shooting uh, the sequel to right now. Yeah, I think, he's, I think this is prime time for him to push for the Bill and Ted... <laughs> three movie because everybody's doing these like 25 year later sequels uh you know whether it be star wars or or tron or indiana jones and i know there's a script floating around that alex winter did that is essentially picks up on bill and ted when they're middle-aged and they're not cool and ruling the world and not big stars and they don't know what went wrong and so that's kind of the joke that's kind of the story and more stuff goes from there mm. but 
I think, I think, especially if they treat it like that, like they're two guys in their mid-40s who are like, oh, we were promised fame and fortune because of our adventures and nothing happened. I think that could be really fun. And I think they do it for a relatively easy budget-ish, and supposedly Keanu wants to do it, and Alex Winter wants to do it. Yeah, they've been talking about, like, there's a script and they're trying to get it made, and yeah. it just, I can't picture them in those costumes as, yeah. as you know, as middle-aged guys men, in their 40s, basically. yeah. They, yeah. they both aged beautifully. They yeah, both yeah. look really good for their age, but... Well, maybe even that... It's sort they, of like Ghostbusters. Like, do I really want to see Dan Aykroyd in the... Yeah. ...wearing the proto-pack again? I do. Yeah. Well, like, like, I don't know if this is true, because you can never trust the internet, and I kind of avoid a lot of the internet because I don't like spoilers and things, mm-hmm. but, like, everybody's... It's not just sequels now. Everybody's in, making universes, and... I think Universal already dropped the ball, but they were planning to do like a, a monster movie universe, starting with that Dracula Untold, uh, and then they were going to do like a, a creature movie and a mm-hmm. Frankenstein movie. But I, I don't know. I think they've kind of stumbled that. But there's you know the Star Wars universe and the and the, the Marvel universe and the DC Comics universe. But um, it seems like with Ghostbusters, I heard something about an animated film, and if they did an animated film, then they could get away with everybody Anything. doing it and being young and skinny. The only sad thing, of course, is we're missing Harold Ramis. So I think there is some, I don't know, there, there is some, you know. I don't know, man. Just Like, we can't do it without Harold Ramis, but. No. And I think, like, a couple years ago, they all it's did. It's beautiful as it is. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And, and anytime people get mad at a remake or a sequel, I'm like, yeah, but the, the thing you loved is still there. Like, Yeah, like, I welcome this ladies one. And oh not just because it's ladies. I would welcome yeah. it if it was anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, hopefully, I'm glad it's a diverse cast, though. Yeah. You know, hopefully it's a good script. It's not, you know, yeah. ladies. I don't want to necessarily see ladies doing what Dan Aykroyd. Like, okay, don't, well, you, you, no, you have to, like. But it's like, it's. But it's, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want it to be like a remake with. With well, no, women, yeah. where there's a woman Dan Aykroyd and a right. woman Harold Ramis. I don't you know, want make... it to be the same script. No, no, way. no, no, no. Yeah. And I think the thing, when I first heard of another Ghostbusters, before I heard the, the, the female quotient of it, I was just, as long as it's good, I don't care. Because there's countless examples of remakes that are good, if not better, than the original. Like, right now, like, God, you know, in the 80s, The Thing, I think a lot of people would argue John Carpenter's The Thing is the best version of that thing. And then <laughs> of that thing. Of that thing. <laughs> and then now the Planet of the Apes movies are on a pretty good run, mm-hmm. but it's it's the talent attached to it. So when I heard it was uh, female characters, I was like, "Oh, that's cool. That's a good idea." I'm stoked about it. Then when I heard it's it's not in the same universe, I'm like, "Well, good, because then you could just be of your own." And then, but I, I really like Paul Feig. I, like I love Freaks and Geeks and and, mm-hmm. and Undeclared. And then I'm only familiar with two of the four ladies because I I love Kristen Wiig. And Melissa McCarthy is, is damn talented, even in movies that aren't great. Mm-hmm. The other two are, are Saturday Night Live um, performers. Okay. So I've never seen them do anything. Yeah. Um, except for a couple of, like, really small, like, one lines in certain movies. But I just look at that cast, and then the supporting cast building around it, I think, is really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, uh, Thor is playing the secretary, which I think is, is really cool. Um, so I have really high hopes for it now. And every time I see a picture, like there was like kind of the hero shot picture of, of, of the four ladies standing beside the car. Yeah. And and I love Ghostbusters. I have a Ghostbusters tattoo. I'm all in. And so I could be the nerd who is like, no fear change. But I just look at them. 
and they've, they've done a couple of of cool little things like like gone to like a children's hospital and stuff like that and that just just knocks me out and it seems like Paul Feig's on Mick just cried when oh my god <laughs> I, I am gonna cry so much but Paul Feig on Twitter's been really cool about about uh, my favorite was somebody said got like a year ago somebody was like oh what a, what a gimmick for women being Ghostbusters and, and he said if that's a gimmick is it a gimmick for four men to be Ghostbusters <laughs> like it, it's just you know why not like yeah and this world now, like especially you know, comic books have have been ha- have a lot to apologize for with their representation of women. But right now, comic books are getting more and more diverse, both in its creators and its its characters. Film is baby stepping towards diversity uh, with films like um, uh, uh, Baba Duke and and uh, 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 Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. You know, yeah. so. And anytime somebody's like, oh, just hired because she's a woman. And I'm like, well, so she's one woman director in a field of 5,000 old <laughs> white guys. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I'm all in for, for that remake. And, and, but it's funny now that the remakes are so prevalent that I didn't even realize Knock Knock was a remake. And yeah. there was one a little while ago that, that skipped by me, too, The Gambler with uh, Marky Mark. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that that was a remake. I, so I... <laughs> I, I uh, I still haven't haven't seen that that um, original. So, yeah. Oh, it's really good, the James Con version. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so knock knock, and then uh, minions. We're bringing minions back for a uh, an encore weekend of matinee uh, performances. <laughs> I I came to see that last weekend all by myself because <laughs> all of all of my uh, friends with children were busy with soccer games and things and whatever, but. It's one of those movies that's hard Cute. hard to critique because you you can critique it because you can say oh I didn't like this about the script and like this about the characters but you're like yeah but its target audience is five year olds and it's bright and colorful and has fun music and is entertaining so and the kids in the crowd really loved it is so. it constantly engaging yeah so Not it's like kids. that there you go like it's it's like objective achieved yeah it's like there's a certain point where like not everything is for everybody whether that be a horror film or a cartoon. And so it's okay if you think Minions has a weak script, but if you're five and watching it and it jumping up and laugh down, even <laughs> when I don't know what's going on, this <laughs> is like hearing it while I was working was pretty funny. Well, I find this this team, uh, the team that does Minions, very talented, great animation, and and a good cast. Like it, it's uh, Sandra Bullock, John Hamm, Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so a good cast in there as well. They, I would say, and I don't know, like it, it's a. Sounds somewhat insulting to them, I'm sure, if I told this to their face, but it doesn't seem to have the the legacy of like a Pixar film. Like, mm-hmm. like I think like something like Wall-E or Up or Toy Story, somebody could watch in 50 years and it has a kind of a timeless quality. Jungle Book or Pinocchio. I find Minions and movies like the DreamWorks ones, like Shrek, are made for the moment, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think someone might watch Shrek or Minions. Right down to the soundtrack. Yeah, in 10 years and be like, I don't get that. Matrix reference. Yeah. I don't get that Donald Trump reference. Yeah, there, I find there's too many in a lot of comedies. You know, too many cultural references that yeah. will date your content like right away. Yeah, which is because so you got to resist that. And go it's it's the same in everything because you watch like a movie from, like I'm sure if you watch like you know Cannibal Run, there's probably a lot of references in there that mm-hmm. don't make sense to somebody watching them 25 years later. Mm. Even man, but you or you watch like Abbott and Costello, brilliant. But you watch it, and there's like little jokes about a 
a politician or a performer or something, and you don't, you just don't know the name. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're just, I don't understand that that sarcastic reference. So it's kind of it's everywhere a bit, but but yeah, it's it's uh, the thing with minions is man, it's everywhere. Like you you walk in like every forty year old woman on Facebook is posting yeah. minions memes <laughs> daily, yeah. and it, and it's it's every like lunchbox backpack yeah. Halloween costume. Uh, uh, you know, food stuff. I have. I got it just because I'm I'm cheap and I buy any cereal that's one ninety nine. But I have a box minion of cereal. minion cereal on my shelf. It's banana, isn't it? It's like banana cinnamon toast crunch, and it has little. I'm sure very healthy because of this. Has little cinnamon shaped minions oh, yeah. like Super. stamped on each, hand painted on each yeah. <laughs> on each cereal piece. But I bought that before I saw the movie, just because I was like, oh, that's one ninety nine, and I like cereal, but. <laughs> I want to, I think it's starting to roll out now. Um, and a movie that, fingers crossed, we will have as soon as possible. But the Star Wars stuff has started to hit kind of the mainstream now. Yeah. So, like, I'm going to walk into a store and there'll be, like, a chewy Shreddy's box or something. And I'm going to take everything. <laughs> hugging it and weeping. He's back. Chewy's back. But um, what was the other thing this... Or so, and then... As per usual, a whole bunch of new stuff to announce. I think we mentioned the uh, Sarah Silverman film. Yeah, I Smile Back, which where she is, plays a mother and wife who has a secret addiction to everything. Yeah, kind of a heavy drama. Yeah. And then the other one, uh, Henry Rollins film. This one looks really interesting. It's um, A couple of folks popped up on Facebook and said they saw it at uh, Fantasia, uh, which is, I love I love that when we, when we have stuff from Fantasia, because that's such a cool film festival, and we're kind of friendly with those guys. And um, and Henry Rollins is cool. Mm-hmm. So Henry, mm-hmm. I, I like Henry Rollins a lot. I've missed Henry Rollins like two or three times here in town, just because I was either busy or he was sold out or whatever. Yeah, but, I went to his last. Uh, I believe it was his last spoken word performance. Or at the Bronson Center was it? Or uh, no, it was at a church. I forget which church. Oh wow! Cool. But it was an actual church, and it was pretty cool. He just ran on stage and spoke for two and a half hours and yeah. ran off. It was awesome. In Ottawa? Yeah. Yeah, I admit I'm not like super familiar. Was it in Sandy Hill? Uh, no, it was like Centertown, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of which churches usually have stuff. Mm-hmm. And now he's like this wise old man of poetry and punk rock, yeah. and he's got gray hair, and you know, you kind of. And this is like he doesn't. He's done so many movies, but this is like he stars in this film. He hasn't. Yeah. Done, he hasn't like really starred in a movie. I remember him. Died. He never died. Is is the name of the film? Yeah. He. I saw a movie here a million years ago called. Was it the Chase? Yeah, with Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen, and, and Henry played a cop in that movie. Yeah. And there's a lot of buzz about that, pre-internet buzz about, like, ooh, Henry Rollins playing a cop, you know? But, uh, uh, yeah, I remember him playing smaller roles. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. And then we've secured a date for Dangerous Men. Yes, January 15th. Don't miss it. And it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's the movie of the year. I hope we get a really great crowd. There's been a lot of buzz online and people excited about mm-hmm. it, so... Yeah, we just got the uh, postcards for it. <laughs> yeah, so come in and get your collectible postcard, suitable for framing, put it up in your house. And then, and then uh, where are we now? 13th. So next weekend is the Samurai Cop oh, Double wow. Bill. I can't wait. And if you can't come on Friday, you'll have a couple of the extra chances to see Samurai Cop 2. Yeah. But your one chance to see the Double Bill is on Friday night, um, and it'll be in the like 9-ish and 11-ish time slot. I think both movies are relatively short. I think they're both like... 80, 90 minutes. 80, 90 minutes. So, so even if that's... That's encroaching on past my bedtime, but I'm going to do it because you don't get many chances. I think, I think Andrew mentioned on Facebook that this 
probably very well is the Ottawa premiere of part one as well. The Canadian premiere, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah. Samurai Cop, the yeah. first one, didn't get a theatrical release. As far as I know, it was um, they made it, and um, maybe they sold it to some other countries. But, like VHS you know, stuff? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. like I don't even know if they got a VHS release in the States until maybe years later or something, or the DVD, but yeah. so... Yeah, yeah, so this is your chance to see that. And man, like I've seen the trailer here a couple times, and Tommy Wiseau's in it. The the reaction that Tommy gets from the knowing room nerds in the crowd, like like I think there there's high anticipation for that. <laughs> like just for for even if people don't know anything about Samurai Cop One, there's going to be quite a few folks just coming for the Tommy Wiseau. Um, acting prowess in mm-hmm. the film. I think he plays like the main villain or one of the one of the villains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. So I think that's about it for this week. I think we've covered our bases of everything coming up to the Mayfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always check our website, of course, where it's updated frequently. There's, I don't know, a couple dozen posters on the main page right now for yeah. films coming up in the next few months. Mayfairtheater.ca, and we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything. Everything else. Carrier pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> and um, for, for our, our audiobook recommendation this week, I am sure that the Steve Jobs biography is on there. So that would be something yeah, the, to listen yeah, to. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's, I think it's like 18 discs long. I think, I think, I think it's like a 30-hour audiobook. But yeah, uh, but yeah that's something to, you, can, you can listen to and then compare to the factual nature of the <laughs> film. Yeah. Cool. Okay, thanks, everybody. All right. See you later.